a Rocky Mountain tour between like, you know, maybe Boise, Missoula, Bozeman, uh, you know, maybe a stop in Wyoming. Um, and then, you know, maybe something like Denver and Fort Collins, Colorado, you know, something like that. Um, a Midwest tour, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin, whatnot. Um, definitely kind of an East coast or Northeast tour, um, and a Southeast tour. That was Jason Rolf talking about a potential national tour of his new program, Riders on the Fly. We are in episode number 33 of the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We'll help you on your fly fishing journey with classic stories covering steelhead fishing, fly tying, and much more. How's it going, everyone? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. Before I get into the intro, I wanted to remind you again to follow us on Instagram. That's Wet Fly Swing. In today's episode, I interviewed Jason Rolf, the man behind the Fly Tapes podcast and Writers on the Fly, a series of live readings by some of the best fly fishing writers around. Jason talks about some of his big influences along his journey and how he has been able to publish articles in some of the best magazines in the country. He gets into a few tips that will put you in the right mindset and make the connection to Patagonia and a bunch of other great tips on fishing and writing. Don't miss this as Jason shares one of his favorite pieces about swallows. You'll think differently after this one. So, without further ado, here's Jason Rolf from the Fly Tapes Podcast. How's it going, Jason? It's going good, man. How are you doing? Good, good. Uh, good to have you on the show here. I, um, I've been slowly working around as I've started this podcast, and I've been reaching out to other podcasters that are in the fly fishing space, and you're definitely one of them that, that stands out from the crowd. Uh, I think what you have going on is is a little bit different from uh, I think the rest of uh, everyone out there. So I want to get into that, you know, the, the story there, how all that started. But maybe you can first bring us back to you know how you got into fly fishing, and then kind of maybe swing that into how you know you got to where you are. And I know you do a little bit of guiding as well, so maybe you can just talk mm-hmm. about that whole that whole history there. Yeah, um, I guess. Um, well, uh, probably the first part of it would be the first thing that that brings me to where I am now I guess would be just that I always loved writing um I mean since I was a little kid I was always writing stories down and making little books and and I loved reading as well I loved learning about the authors um you know the the people who wrote the books and I I would just get obsessed with learning about these people and <laughs> and who they were. And so, you know, fast forward to high school and college, I keep, I, I kind of kept chasing that. And in college, I, um, I studied writing, I studied creative writing, fiction and poetry and whatnot. And then kind of toward the end of college, um, was when I started getting into fly fishing. Um, and I just, I think it was, yeah, it was right, right at the very end of college for me. So this would have been 2003. Um, I uh, I just took like a fly fishing class at the uh, the sort of experimental college um, 
at the university that I went to at, up in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's kind of how I started learning. I think actually the very first time I went, I actually went out fishing was a, a little while later, probably a year or so later. And I borrowed my girlfriend's car, who is now my wife. <laughs> um, I borrowed her car, drove up to the Middle Fork Snoqualmie River outside of Seattle, and somehow managed to catch a trout. So huh. that was my that was my first first time fly fishing, and that would have been, I think that would have been two thousand four. Okay. Um, let me think. Yeah, shit, that would have been about two thousand four. So, um. So yeah, then um, fast forward another 10 years or so, and um, I started working at a, um, a fly shop in Seattle. I'd, I'd hmm. kind of worked in, in education for a long time um, in different ways. And so I started working at a fly shop up in Seattle called Emerald Water Anglers, hmm. and um, Dave McCoy, who's the owner there, was he was really wanting that the shop was brand new at the time. Um, it's about four years old now, but he was really wanting to do some different sort of events and things in the store. And, um, so I had this idea for this, this fly fishing reading series because I, I had, you know, I'd been reading the Drake and the fly fish journal and Thomas McGuane and Roderick Hag Brown and, you know, all these, all these great writers that I really loved and, um, and at the same time, I really, I missed one thing that I had loved in college, I think was going to readings, you know, mm. liter- literary readings, poetry, fiction, whatever readings like that would happen, you know, a couple times a month and you'd go and it'd be a party and everybody would have a good time and nerd out about literature and words and whatnot. And so. So yeah, I just kind of had this idea and that that turned into this reading series called Writers on the Fly um and that started about three and a half years ago and uh and so yeah, it's just been kind of growing from there ever since. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I've definitely listened to a few of those episodes and um well, one I listened to, I guess uh Steve from uh the editor of the Flyfish Journal. Um, yeah, a recent one. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that was, it's just cool. I mean, you, it's, you know, it just brings you down, um, to really that visceral feeling of, and it was awesome. I just listened to that one and really enjoyed it. So looking yeah. forward to digging into more of those. Is there, I mean, how does this whole, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, writing in general and fly fishing, is it different in, in how it makes you feel or, or, or kind of the writing you do now and the work you're doing now around fly fishing? Is it pretty similar to what you've done in the past? Um, yeah, I, w- I would say it's pretty similar. I mean, I've always, I, I always really, my first love is, has always been fiction and especially writing short stories. Um, like, uh, the short, short, the, writer Raymond Carver is one of my favorite writers. He is a great short story writer. And so I've always loved that. And I've always loved, you know, a, a piece of writing that, that has momentum to it and has a, you know, a beginning and a middle and an end. And, and, you know, I love, I, I think that story is incredibly important. 
um, you know, matter no matter what it is that you're that you're uh, that you're doing. And so, I think that I've brought in my own writing. I, I think I've brought a lot of that into um, you know the stuff that I do about fly fishing. I think the stuff I do in fly fishing tends, you know, sometimes it is maybe partly fictional um, or or at least I, you know, I, I like to take a little bit of creative license with, with things here and there. Um, and, uh, and just like to, you know, definitely, definitely, I'm, I'm usually not doing too much of just the, just the straight essay. Okay. You know, I went here, I did this, this happened, you know, so on and so forth. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I like to I like to mix it up and and play around with it when I can. So yeah, yeah. cool, cool. I'll, I'll provide links to some of the um, you've noted a few writers and things like that. I'll do my best um, to provide some links here, and the, the show notes will be at uh, wetflyswing dot com slash thirty three, and I'll have uh, yeah. I usually try to get as many in there as I can. Um, nice. Yeah. So maybe you know you talked a little bit about the uh, the 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 writers on the flight, maybe you can describe, you know, your podcast, if it's different, how it differs from that. And maybe from somebody who's never heard it before, you know, what it's all about and, and, yeah. what, and what your, maybe what your plan is for the long term with it. Yeah. Um, well, so the, so the podcast, I, I guess it sort of stemmed from, from the writers on the fly reading series. And so the the reading series itself, you know, when when I have one of those readings, um, the way the readings work is there's usually um, four or five writers um, who will, you know, share uh, a few pieces. You know, sometimes a person reads for five minutes, sometimes they read for 20 minutes. It just depends on what they've got and what our time is looking like. And then... Um, the other thing about the the readings is I usually like to include um, I, I'll usually have a featured artist or artists for each mm-hmm. event just to kind of show some work and be able to talk about it. Like back in January um, when we did a, a reading up in Seattle, Casey Underwood um, was there and it was great to have him there. He showed some work and then he also got to you know get up and say a few mm-hmm. words about you know kind of what he does and why he does it. Um, and I also like to always include a, a featured nonprofit for every reading, um, just to kind of, you know, get the word out. Sometimes it's a fundraiser. Sometimes it's just kind of an awareness raiser. So you're, doing, the, thing. you're doing these at uh, local fly shops usually? Yeah. Like, um, sometimes at fly shops, uh, sometimes at breweries, um, we've done it at a few different Patagonia stores in the region. So that has been, you know, it, it started out, it all started out at, at Emerald Water Angler's Fly Shop up in Seattle. Um, and then it kind of grew from there. In the last couple of years, um, I've been doing this tour in the fall that goes from Bend up to Vancouver, British Columbia. Um, and so that, that's been really cool, doing that every year. And then hopefully this fall, um, I'm going to, maybe take it out a little further afield and, you know, hopefully go maybe do like a tour through the Rocky mountains Hmm. with it or, um, 
I mean, I've got people are constantly email. I shouldn't say constantly, but I've yeah. gotten emails from people all over the country saying, you know, hey, you should bring this out here, you know, bring it to the East Coast, nice. bring it to the Southeast, you know, whatever it is. And so, which is really cool. I mean, that is, that is really, really exciting just to, to hear from people to, to, to hear that they dig it and are, and are enjoying it and whatnot. And so I think, um, so yeah, that, that is sort of writers on the fly. Um, and so like I was saying, the fly tapes kind of grew out of that in that I had all of these readings, um, recorded, um, cause I would always, I would record every, every, uh, reading that happened. And, um, and so I just thought, well, you know, I, I'd love to get these, I'd love to use these readings somehow to put them out, you know, to the world for, for mm-hmm. people to sort of enjoy. And so, um, so I just kind of came up with this idea of, you know, interviewing these folks, that do the readings and, and including, um, some of the readings. And I've also been able to interview a couple of artists. Um, and yeah, just, you know, I mean, really just kind of digging into sort of the, the creative, creative side of things a little bit and, and learning about not only, you know, the writing and the art that, that people do, um, but just kind of learning about the people themselves mm-hmm. and where they're from and and why they do it, what what brought them to, you know, to the point where they're doing that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think uh, anybody that hasn't listened to um, you know any of those episodes, definitely go out there and check them out. There's some uh, some great stuff, and we have a uh, probably. I mean, fly fishing. We always talk about this on this show how small of a niche it is or whatever. But I mean, there's a ton of great you know, very talented writers out there. Maybe, uh, maybe more yeah. so than a lot of, you know, per capita or whatever other industries. So we're kind of blessed in that way. Do, do you, do you see that in fly fishing as well? Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I j- just, as far as like the number of, the number of writers and creative people. Yeah. Mean? Yeah. Just compared to other yeah. things. Like I think, I think Steve might've mentioned that on that episode. I listened to yours, the fact that like, yeah. in mountain biking and other places, you don't have as many of totally. just as many great writers. Yeah, no, I think it's totally true. I, I've, um, you know, I think it's kind of interesting to to look at some of these other sports and and realize they're definitely. I don't think there there is you know the the sort of depth and the not only kind of the depth of who is doing work now, but there's constantly new people you know popping up mm-hmm. in the magazines and the journals yeah. and whatnot you know, sharing new work. And, and so just kind of that, uh, that growth is, is really cool, I think. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's kind of, kind of this never ending thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so rich. I mean, well, I think, I think we're pretty lucky to, we're pretty lucky to kind of have an environment that really values this stuff and, and, uh, and, and, makes it available for, for us to, you know, sort of consume and enjoy and, and mm-hmm. support. So, yeah. 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 It's cool. Cool deal for sure. So thinking, uh, you know, just about some of the people that you've, uh, either read or maybe folks that have been on your, uh, your podcast, is there a, you know, either, a 
kind of a favorite story of yours, and maybe that's a hard one to do from your guests, but, or do you have a, another story from, you, you know, your life that, you know, is something that kind of either a kind of a favorite story or maybe a humbling story around fly fishing? Um, like not, not necessarily like a published story, but just a story story. Yeah. Like well, an anecdote. Yeah, you know, just anything that comes to mind. I mean, I, I was just thinking like for me, I haven't listened to all your episodes, but that one with, uh-huh. uh, again, with Steve talking there about the, uh, the swallows, you know, oh, re- yeah. really hit home for me because I mean, it's true. You're like, you don't think about them. I mean, you do think about them because swallows are awesome and they're flying around, but you yeah, know, he just dug deep on like, you know, that whole swallow story. And that, that to me just stands out to me as one of my favorites. So I don't know if you have something like that or other, or something else in your life maybe that, that stands out. Yeah. Well, no, I mean that, that swallows piece is, um, one of definitely one of my favorite Mm -hmm. things that, you know, favorite pieces of writing sort of in the fly fishing world. I think that's a really fantastic story. Um, there's actually so the ep- the episode that I just published, yes, episode seventeen, which is just a couple of readings. There's no interview. <clears throat> okay. It includes a reading from Langdon Cook, um, and actually, there's a couple of great people. So Langdon Cook was the guest on episode three or four, I think. Mm-hmm. He's a writer. He's a writer up in Seattle. Um, the the reading that he did in the episode back then, which is about fishing with his little boy down in Southern Oregon, um, that's a really beautiful, um, just kind of, um, not gut wrenching story, mm-hmm. but just a beautiful story that kind of, it's, it's so good and it's so full of love that there, there's almost something anxiety inducing about it. <laughs> um, that I really love. Um, but then also this, this most recent episode, I, I included a piece from Langdon, um, that is also, um, it, it's from one of his books. And th- this piece from Langdon is a little bit, uh, more on the funny side. It, it, it's a little bit lighter, but it's also a really great piece in that, you know, Lang is not afraid to laugh at himself and he's not afraid to sort of make fun of himself a bit. And, you know, he's not, he, he's a, he's a fantastic reader Hmm. as well, but he's also, you know, he's, yeah, he's just not afraid to, you know, put himself out there and, you know, let himself kind of be made fun of a little bit. And, and I think that really shows in the piece and that that sort of I, I just always really appreciate um, that sort of vulnerability from mm-hmm. writers, I think, um, just people that aren't afraid to, you know, just kind of just kind of bear it all a little bit. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, really, definitely, really enjoy enjoy that. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, so. You know, I was going to ask a question around the, you know, I, I, a lot of times I'll like to ask, you know, about mentors and things like that. And I know that I was listening to one, one of your shows. I think you mentioned a creative writing teacher you had in high school. Uh, yeah. That was a big influence. I, I think that's such a, a great point because, you know, I mean, I've had a couple of great 
high school <clears throat> teachers as well. And, uh, yeah. one of them was a fly fisherman and he's a guy I still run into, you know, to this day. And it's so oh, cool. important with kids, but, um, you know, are, are there any other people that have really had that same impact on you throughout your life? Um, yeah, you know, I think that there's been people that have kind of come and gone, you know, over time. I mean, that that high school teacher, his name was Mr. Krupp or L- Lester Krupp. Mm-hmm. Um, he he is definitely the reason that I I write now, and I'm obsessed with writers. Um, I just, you know, I I loved his English classes and his writing classes when I was in high school, and that really filled a huge, I guess, a huge need for me when I was that age and just like dealing with family stuff that, you know, I was, I was dealing with at that time and, um, and just dealing with, you know, kind of growing up and, and learning how to sort of, you know, move through the world and whatnot. And so, uh, in a lot of ways, like he, he was huge for me and, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if there is anyone that has had quite that sort of impact on me in that sort of mentorship, um, way since then. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I've kind of bounced around doing lots of different things. I, you know, I would say that, that, you know, Steve Duda as, as an editor has definitely been, um, for me in my writing, I guess, uh, you know, Steve, Steve has definitely been a a mentor in a way just in that he's, he's really helped me sort of grow with it and, uh, and, and fine tune a lot of things and, and discover some things. Yeah. So what, what, I mean, what has that's Steve, been big. What do you think Steve has taught you? What are the things that stand <clears throat> out? You know, what he's taught you about, you know, writing or fly fishing or anything related. Um, just on the writing side, he, he's just got a really sharp eye for kind of, you know, cutting, cutting out the, the unnecessary mm. stuff that yep. inevitably ends up in a story, you know, and all, I mean, when I write a when I write a, a, a story or an essay um, that I'm gonna try to submit to a magazine or or the journal, um, <clears throat> you know, I I'll write it and then I'll spend I I put a lot of time into revision and editing. I mean, I I'll go through pieces five, six, seven times just refining and Mm -hmm. changing a word and changing a comma and cutting out a sentence Mm -hmm. and rearranging a paragraph and so on. And what's, what's funny is I'll spend all that time and then I'll send it to somebody like Steve and I'll, I'll get it back from him with comments. And I mean, he, he always nails it with, you know, the thing, and and it's just one of those things that you, that you realize like, oh yeah, you know, he's, he's totally right. That like this, this sentence is too opaque or, um, hmm. you know, that this character needs to be developed earlier in the, in the essay or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And, and, and that's so hard. I think, I think that's one of the, the, 
most difficult things as a writer is to be able to look at a piece of your own work objectively mm-hmm. um, and to be able to kind of get that distance from it. And so, I, and, I mean, that that is exactly the job of an editor is mm-hmm. to be that to be that objective, you know, yeah. that objective set of eyes that can just say, you know, fix this, fix this, this is great, fix this, all right, you know, it's good. So Yeah. How, how do you get that, you know, if, without an editor, how would you recommend somebody get that distance? I mean, I know, I guess, just taking a break maybe from your writing, but are there other ways to, you know, you write a piece and then you want to step back a little bit. Do you have any tips there for somebody that's maybe struggling with that? Yeah, I mean, I think taking a break is is a big one. And sometimes taking a break might be, you know, you might put it in a drawer for a month oh, yeah. or or more. You know, whatever whatever it needs whatever needs to happen for it to become less familiar to you. Um I think another big part of the I, or I think another big thing that I like to do which isn't the most environmentally friendly thing, but I I will print it out in mm-hmm. different ways. And I'll usually print it out multiple times, and usually, yeah. you know, I I try to <laughs> reuse paper and whatnot. Sure. But but you know, and, and I'll print it out in in different formats. So I'll print it out just like a regular printout. I'll I'll change the format so it's in columns and print it out that way. Um, you know, and just just kind of change the appearance of it on the page so that so that you can. You know, I, I think that that makes it feel a little less familiar, and it, it makes makes the sentences flow differently. Um, <clears throat> mm-hmm. Reading aloud, you know, reading it aloud to yourself is huge. Yeah, I yeah. think I I spend a lot of time doing that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never I've never recorded myself reading a piece. Uh, for editing purposes, but I I know that I've I've heard a lot of people will do that. They'll record themselves and then listen back oh, to wow. it, and yeah. that kind of will you know help get a sense of like oh that you know yeah that sentence that sentence flows terribly. So yeah, and I guess you, um, and you've done that on. I mean, you've recorded yourself on your writers on the fly. Have you listened to those episodes and found things that you might change there? Or? Um, I. The only, the only thing. Well, yeah, I guess I, I, uh, I recorded myself for that writers on the fly reading in January, um, reading a a piece. But that that was a piece that had already, I I had already been going back and forth with, uh, with with Steve on. Oh, okay. And so, and it, it, it hasn't been, yeah. So that one felt pretty dumb. The, the only other time I've, I've recorded myself, I mean that, that recording was at a reading. So that was a little different to go back and listen to. I, I did record myself when I did an interview with Jay Johnson, who's one of the co-founders of pig farm Inc. Oh, Um, cool. Cool. Yeah. I want to, I want to check back with you. I had some questions about that. That's cool. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I, a a couple of years ago, I, I actually wrote a piece about pig farm Inc for the fly fish journal. Oh, And so for that episode with the interview with Jay, 
Um, since he wasn't a writer, I, I figured, well, I'll read the piece that I wrote about Pig Farm Inc. Because it's kind of a, a little bit of an introduction to, to Pig Farm Inc. Oh, cool. and, so, and where could, they, uh, where could uh, we find that? Um, the story? Yeah. That is, it's uh, the, the episode, gosh, it's like episode... 12 or 13 with Jay Johnson, Jay Johnson on the yeah. on the podcast. Gotcha. Um and then and then that was in the Fly Fish Journal a couple a couple years ago. Oh, nice. I, I can't remember the the issue off the top of my head, but probably issue 7. Point something. Sure. Um so so yeah, and that was just, you know, that was just uh I I went down to Colorado to visit my family and ended up hooking up with uh, some of those guys down there that are involved with Pig Farm Inc. and mm-hmm. kind of involved with the beginnings of it and just had a great couple of days hanging out with them and and ended up you know yeah writing this writing this piece about that experience so oh, cool cool yeah I'll, I'll, uh... but. Definitely have to. Yeah, I'll provide, like I mentioned before, provide a link to that in the in the show notes as well. I'm interested yeah. to, to hearing that. I I think I commented on that in a couple of past episodes of mine, just on the pig because I hadn't heard of it before, and I was listening to it. And it sounds really interesting. So I'll let people if they're if they want to check it out, go, go to the show notes and check out that link. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Funny. People should. I mean, and the cool thing about it is, it's pig farm ink is everywhere now. You know that the whole idea was to just create this crazy community of, of people doing all this fun stuff and, and spread it all over the country. And it's like, it's all over the place. And so, you know, people can, people can get hooked up with, you know, other folks that are involved with it, you know, all over the country. So. Exactly. No, that's great. They're building a, Sounds like a pretty cool community there. So, um, yeah, I want to yeah. check a little more into becoming, uh, you know, a, a better writer because I know that's something I struggle with as well. It's writing has never been my strong suit. But before I get there, I, I wanted to see if maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, if you have a home river and, you know, what species you fish for most. Um, you, we mentioned the guiding at the beginning is, uh, is steelhead kind of your kind of you consider your home home river and home species. Um, yeah, yeah, somewhat. I mean, I, I, I love steelhead and I love guiding for steelhead and, um, you know, that's, that's what I do in the wintertime out, out here. Um, so I live in Olympia. Um, I'm a couple hours away from the Olympic Peninsula. Um, and so I guide on the peninsula in the wintertime and, um, and yeah, I love it. I mean, we, you know, emerald water. I I guide for emerald water anglers, oh, and okay. you know we're we're a swing only operation, uh-huh. and um and it's my favorite time of year getting out there. And you know sometimes I'm teaching people how to cast a spay rod for the first time and how to swing flies for steelhead, and other times I'm just you know taking somebody out there who knows what they're doing and they just want to make sure they're on the right water or on the right runs and, and whatnot. And, uh, mm-hmm. um, but I love that. Um, that's definitely my, my sort of favorite guiding time of year. Definitely. Okay. Um, and then other, you know, other than the steelhead stuff, which I do out there on the OP and, and I guide it a bit throughout Western Washington up on the Skykomish oh, and cool. the Skagit and, uh-huh. and whatnot as well. 
Um, I I would probably say that the Puget Sound is my sort of home water. Uh-huh. Um, that's kind of my year-round fishery uh, for the most part. Um, it's kind of where I, even though I caught my first fish up on the little creek outside of Seattle, I always kind of think of the Puget Sound as kind of the place where I learned to fish or learned to fly fish because I, um, when I was first starting out fly fishing, I didn't have a car and I lived in Seattle and I could get to the beaches on the bus. So I would just load up all my fishing gear, hop on the, hmm. the met, the Metro bus and go to the beach and, and fish for a few hours in the morning if I could. So, nice. um, so yeah, um, Puget sound, you know, the Puget sound is definitely, definitely what I would, I would consider sort of my home water up here. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Deal. Yeah. And we've had a, Oh, a couple of guests at least that have talked about uh, the Olympic uh, Peninsula and fishing there. I think we had back on, I think it was actually episode two and episode 15 um, had a couple of different guests that went into some details on fishing up there. So, um, yeah. Nice. Who, who, who were those? Uh, I had uh, Jack Mitchell who has, um, uh-huh. yeah, he's got the shop uh, out in Yakima, but he guides up at, uh, at the OP. And, mm-hmm. then, and then Jeff Layton, who, who I can't remember where I met him, but um, he's got, I think, a site, uh, Grab Flies. And, uh, okay. Yeah, but he, he, well, I guess he doesn't technically do as much guiding as, I guess, more teaching. Um, oh, you know, cool. That sort of thing. But, yeah, so, but they both went into some good details. And, you know, for me, I still haven't been up there. So, it's uh-huh. uh, you know, it's on my, you know, I guess on my bucket list, but I uh, need to get some time to get up there and do it. But yeah, it sounds like an amazing place and God, you got, you know, national parks, you know, around you and all that stuff. So it sounds pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cool. I mean, it's definitely, definitely a special, special spot and, uh, you know, faces it, it, it's, it's facing a lot of difficulties right now, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of things to be optimistic about as well. And, and mm-hmm. so, you know, a lot of, a lot of signs that, you know, things, things could be going in some more positive directions as far as the, the fish numbers and the, the health of those runs as well. So, sure. you know, it's a struggle, but yep. it is what it is. It is, it is. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of impacts and yeah, I mean, you're up there in Puget Sound and all that, those areas. I mean, there's, uh, it's not going to get any easier as more people, I don't know, I don't know if more people are filing in, but you know, I know, uh, the Portland area continues to grow. Um, so, you know, yeah. as more people come, there's, it's going to be harder to, to decrease those impacts. But, um, yeah, I guess the important yeah. thing is to protect what we have to start there. Yeah. Yeah, but, for uh, sure. Cool. So yeah, let me get back to uh, just that writing because again, like I mentioned, it's a little bit of a struggle of mine. So do you have any, any other tips or maybe another tip you might, you know, give somebody who is maybe a struggling writer? I, I, you know, I've done definitely written, you know, some plenty of blog posts and, you know, it seems to me like the ones that hit home are the ones that, you know, are really, you know, those down deep where you're kind of digging on it and bringing something out and, you know, do you have any tips of, of helping people get there or do you think it's just kind of, you just continue to write? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess tip number one, and I, and I would only say this just because it's, it's a tip that I have heard, you know, given to me so many times is just, uh, 
you know, step number one is just to write and to write and to write and to write, even though you think it might be terrible and it may very well be terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that I think there, there are very few writers out there, you know, from Hemingway to whoever else. Um, there are very few writers out there who, you know, get it right the first time. And, and so I think, I think just, just, uh, just knowing the importance of revision and editing and just, just getting words on the page and then, you know, being able to go back and, and work on them, um, is, is huge is, um, you know, so I think that's the biggest thing that, you know, a, a newer writer or just somebody who is, um, you know, trying to kind of improve things is just, just get down, you know, sit down in front of the, the computer or the typewriter or the notepad or whatever you've got and just, just get yeah. words on the, just get words on the page, you know, mm-hmm. cause you can, you can always spend time fixing stuff later. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, as far as, As far as digging deeper than that, I think it's, I think it it's, it's almost hard to say. Just because you know everybody finds stories in in different ways, um, or or you know thing I, things jump out to people in, in different ways. I think you know like if if you and I, I think you and I could have the same experience let's say we go on a fishing trip and something wild happens right yeah more than likely we would both tell that story in very different ways and so i think i think of a a lot of it is just you know maybe trusting your instincts and trusting where you know where your sort of brain and your your heart i guess as well you know wants you to to take a piece of writing, um, whether it's more creative or less creative, what, you know, whatever it is, I think just kind of trusting your, trusting those instincts and, and letting, you know, kind of letting your, your instinct for how the story should be told, um, kind of come through and show through a little bit. Um, other than that, you know, I mean, it's, I don't know, it, I think it starts to, <clears throat> excuse me. I think it starts to get a little bit to, to one of those points, to to the point where it, it's hard to, um, hard to teach, mm. you know. Yeah. Sure. It, or, or or it gets to the point where it's one of those things that can't be taught. Yeah. Um. You know. Totally. Otherwise, you know, otherwise it's just a matter of, you know, kind of learning the the mechanics of how a story goes together and learning, you know, beginning, middle and end. And um, I mean, I think. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say you're just reminding me of like I can't remember the quote, but uh, Stephen Pressfield, you know, talking about, you know, just doing the work, you know, Mm. just just doing like you said, just write, write, write. And I think that's a big part of it that I think he was the guy that, um, you know, I don't know what he spent, spent 20 years without getting anything published. 
And then it was like, mm-hmm. you know, nothing, nothing. I mean, just denial, denial, denial. And mm-hmm. then finally, um, you know, the war of art, um, I think, you know, finally hit, you know, kind of resonated with people. And, I mean, yeah. you know, I read that thing and it was just like, wow. I mean, <laughs> you know, it was just, uh, just amazing talking about the, uh, the challenge of, you know, just, you can kind of look into that book and, and what it's all about. But, um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, that, that's a good story there where he struggled for pretty much his whole life. And at, at some point was basically living in his car, you yeah. know, it got so bad, but he was so passionate yeah. and dedicated to it that he eventually came through. And I mean, not everybody has to go through that, but it's just a point that some people do. Yeah, and I think that's I mean, I think that's a a good a good sort of uh a good sort of illustration of the fact that, you know, if if you put enough time into it, you know, you 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 know, you you can do it. Um and and I think it really, you know, for people who are maybe trying to get into writing or um are struggling with it a bit or or whatever, it it really does come down to the how much work you put into it. I think, you know, for some people it might come really easy and they might write, they might just write this brilliant stuff that just rolls off their, you know, rolls off the pen or whatever. And, and that's that. And other people have to, other people have to work at it more. And, and, but, you know, if you do put that work in, um, you know, I think that you'll find that you, it starts to come easier and you start to recognize right away, like, Oh, this is good. This is bad. This is, you know, and, and you start to be able to, to just make that stuff happen quicker. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I was going to uh, check with you on um, just thinking about some of your favorite, you know, magazines or resources. And I know that might be another hard question, um, you know, as far as favorite magazines, but are there any, you know, fly fishing related, uh, resources that, that you enjoy or you think other people, you know, might be interested in wh- whether that's magazines, books, um, you know, other podcasts, things like that. Um, yeah, I, uh, um, well, I mean, within fly fishing, I think, you know, the, the fly fish journal and the Drake, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of have the market cornered on, you know, kind of the best, the best writing about fly fishing is is obviously in those two. Yeah, reasons. and does does and, that come back to? Sorry to interrupt, but do you think that comes back to the um, you know a big part yeah. the editor and that whole thing? I mean, why? Because there are oh, yeah. a number of different uh, you know publications out there. Is that is that kind of where it starts? Well, it, yeah, and you know, I think it it, it is the. I think it also has a lot to do with the goal of the publication. Um, you know, there there's other magazines out there doing cool stuff, and I and I've talked with other people about this, but you know, F- Fly Fisherman Magazine or Fly Rod and Reel yeah. or American Angler, you know, yep. those magazines are they're different. They're good for what they do, but yeah, they're different. Yeah. They're you know they're more like uh, how yeah. to, totally. where to, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so they're not going to talk about uh, swallows, uh, you know, exactly that, that sort of story. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're not going to, they're definitely not going to expend, you know, 2,000 or 3,000 words on, yeah, to somebody that hooked a swallow on the side of the river. And yeah. so, you know, I think, I mean, Tom Bai at the Drake, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the Drake is 20 years old. Yeah. Um, and the, uh, um, 
you know, I think both Tom and Jeff Galbraith at the Flyfish Journal, you know, they from the beginning they set out to do something different from that. They they didn't want you know they it's not about how to where to it's it's about the why you know why do we fly fish why do we care about this why do we spend all this time out here doing this thing um and so you know i think that it, 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 what's cool is that they you know i think both publications have really <clears throat> have really sort of cultivated you know this 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 uh this culture that that supports these writers and gives these writers a place to share their work and gives people, you know, a place to, to learn about that work. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, gray, gray sporting journal does, um, the same as well. And, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, yeah. you know, I think, I think as far as just sort of those, those print periodicals, you know, that, that stuff is great, but I mean, there's, you know, there's always, great books being published i feel like yeah um i just i just i just started reading a book um by this guy named uh, chris dombrowski hmm. or Dom, dombrowski mm-hmm. um the other day that is just kind of about his experiences traveling to the bahamas and uh, to chase bonefish and mm-hmm. and it's a it's so beautifully written it, it, it it's it's just a fantastic book and he, and it shows he he was uh he studied poetry in um in college and and it really shows in just his attention to words and his attention to little details and and whatnot and you know and so i mean just the fact that that stuff is continue you know it continues to come out and it continues to you know to to show up and and um you know, so I, I think that there, there's, I, I think that there are great examples of you know good stuff to sort of chase down and 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 whatnot and and learn from. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and that's exciting. You know, that's really exciting to me. Yeah, that's cool. And the yeah, the Drake cast. I've chatted with Elliot a little bit. Um, you know, I think the podcast there is similar to. Um, you know, to their publication, um, mm-hmm. and that it's different. I mean, Elliot's doing a different, he's got a kind of a cool family background in, in the, um, you know, some of the audio shows. So, yeah, you know, he, yeah. he, he I does, didn't, I yeah. didn't realize that he was related to I know. that dude from radio lab. Exactly. I think was, right. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I met with him at the, uh, Oh, the, the film tour chatted with him a little bit and, um, cool. Yeah, and he gave us a shout out to some of our uh, at the end of one of their episodes, which was cool. Um, but yeah, we're actually right yeah. now. Um, I'm kind of in a transitioning mode with with the podcast here. We're um, you know season one was all steelhead, and we had yeah. a bunch of episodes, and now we're kind of transitioning more into trout and some of this other, you know, some other topics. So um, yeah, it's, oh, it, nice. but it, but it was uh, it was cool to connect with them, and but yeah, you see it with the Drake how they're just you know they're a little bit different than what some of the other people are doing out there. And that's not to say what other people are doing is, is bad or wrong or whatever. It's just a different way to do it. Oh yeah, totally. Totally. Just totally just different. I think so for sure. Nice. Um, I was wondering, you know, I've, I've gone through this before myself Well, I'm I'm still in the middle of it, but, uh, you know, I, I know you recently have a new child and I was, I was curious to get your (laughs) take on it since you're, you know, you're early in on it. Um, 
you know, how that's changed your perspective on things and maybe whether that's writing or or fishing or life. And maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, how how all that, uh, you know, how that's changed things and and where you're going from where you're at now. Uh Um, I, you know, I think that I almost feel like it's like still too early to say, Yeah, that's true. (laughs) you know what I mean? It's like, he's so uh, my my little boy is three months old and he's awesome um that you know it's been great and things have definitely changed a bit you know um and so you know i think a lot of it um for me as far as just my writing and trying to get out fishing and stuff like that you know obviously you have to kind of you have to kind of be a little more selective with your time and how you're using it. And, you know, I've found, I've, I've found on, you know, days when I'm home with him and I'm trying to get some writing done, you know, it's just, you just have to kind of take what you can get. And sometimes that's 30 minutes and sometimes that's two hours and, Yep. You take that you take that 30 minutes or 2 hours and you just do what you can and then you you yep. know go back to feeding him or changing <laughs> a diaper or right. taking him you know taking him for a walk or whatever. Um but yeah, yeah, I mean I think my wife and I both you know, I we be even before he was born, we we talked a lot about just trying to <sighs> try not to let things change too much, you know, Mm -hmm. trying or, or trying not to let things be too disrupted, like not, you know, not using him as an excuse and maybe excuse probably isn't the right word, Mm -hmm. but you know, not, not using that as an excuse to, to not go camping or to not go fishing. Like, you know, even if it's going to be a, more difficult to go camping with him or to go on a road trip in the van or to, you know, go fishing for an afternoon. Like, like we're going to do it and we're going to help each other do it too. You know, I, I have fly fishing, which is something that she doesn't really do. Mm-hmm. Um, she has mountaineering, which mm-hmm. is something that I don't really do. Wow. Um, and so I think, you know, we want to also support each other in doing, in doing those things that we both, you know, love on our own. Sure. And so making sure that we, you know, that we allow each other to, to get time to, to still kind of chase those things as well. Gotcha. Um, are you guys, you know, doing, and then, yeah. and, and then, you know, just making sure that on the other, on the other hand that, you know, we're including him in as much of that stuff as we can as well. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, are you guys going to be, uh, shooting for a, a few more or are you going to sticking with one kid? Um, it seems like probably sticking with one. Mm-hmm. My, my wife hated being pregnant, so yeah. <laughs> she's, she's, uh, they're much tougher than we are. That's for sure. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. So I think yeah. she's, I think she's probably fine there. And I think, you know, I think I. I think I'll be happy with one. I have I have five younger brothers oh, myself, wow. so wow. I grew up with a big family, and yeah, there you go. I I would be fine with a small family. Plus, we have two dogs okay. and two cats. Yep, and yeah, you guys have plenty going on. Yeah, five 
five new chickens. So we've got <laughs> plenty going on. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Cool, Jason. Well, uh, yeah, man, we're, we're well into this show. I, I had a, uh, a few more questions I want to ask you here before we wrap things up. And uh, one of them, I'm just starting to think a little bit more about those bucket list you know, destinations we mentioned one, you know, the OP for me, but uh, I mean, God, there's a bunch of them, right? I mean, as fly fishing grows and you hear about all these stories of Mongolia and, you know, Africa and all these, you know, remote things. Is is there something on your list that's kind of, uh, you know, kind of high on your list or something you want to definitely get done before the end of the day? Um, well, I've never been to Alaska, so I'd love to go up and, and fish for some of those big rainbows yep. and salmon and, and whatnot in Alaska. Um, you know, that that's kind of maybe a, a slightly easier one. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been kind of intrigued by um, <clears throat> the idea of kind of going up into northern Canada mm-hmm. and, and fishing, you know, fishing for big pike and char and you know whatever else is up there yeah. kind of in the in the yukon or the northwest territory is just like kind of way out there and sure. the, just where it's real remote and i always thought that would be cool but uh yeah i mean the i yeah and bo- again those are both kind of a bit closer to home i yeah. think uh um a, l- a little bit further afield maybe atlantic salmon in iceland oh yeah Atlantic salmon cool. anywhere really, but I, I think Iceland would be a fun place to, to fish. So yeah, for sure, yeah, for sure. Just cool. just just really expensive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's that's part of the thing. I'm, I'm kind of working on something here myself, trying to find a way to get myself up to some of these areas for a little a little less money, uh, sort of thing. Yeah, so kind of the DIY uh, deal. So hopefully I'll have a little more information on that to, uh, to help people get up to some of these, but yeah, I mean, that's the, that's always the struggle is that there, there's definitely, well, not only the cost, but there's a time component too, mm-hmm. which is not easy as well, but, um, no, that, that's awesome. Those are two good places. I've spent a little bit of time up in Alaska, um, fishing for salmon and yeah, for me, man, the coho was definitely a unique experience because you're, I mean, stripping in coho up literally to your feet in some of these yeah. places. They're so aggressive. It was absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah, that's yeah, great. For sure. Awesome. Well, so thinking back to the show, you know, the the fly tapes and writers on the fly, um, you know, maybe you could talk just a little more um, about, you know, what we can expect coming up here in the next, uh, you said you, you've got some different tours. Do you think, you know, as you look out over the next few years, um, are you kind of thinking that far ahead and, and where you want to take this? Or are you just kind of thinking back to, you know, this fall? Um. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, uh, you know, as far as the fly tapes, I I really hope that I can just kind of keep cranking along with what I'm doing, and you know, hopefully, I can keep uh, finding. I mean, it it shouldn't be a problem to find writers and artists to talk to, and post an episode every couple of weeks. Yeah. You know that that part's pretty easy because there there's a lot of them. I mean, I know a ton of people up here in the Northwest alone. Um, not to, you know, I'm, I'm, and then I'm going to Colorado at the end of June and I'm probably going to meet with some folks that I know down there and talk to. And so, you know, hopefully keep doing that and, um, and, and definitely start, you know, reaching, reaching further out and hitting up people on the East coast and, Mm -hmm. and doing some of that. Um, so yeah, I mean the fly tapes itself, the, the podcast, I, 
you know, I just want to kind of keep doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't really, I don't really foresee changing the formula, um, too drastically. Sure. And I, I don't, I don't think that there's going to be any shortage of, of people to talk to. And so, yeah, you know, hopefully I can get at least a, a two or three more years out of it. And nice. if, if I get more out of it, then uh-huh. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, as far as the reading series, uh, writers on the fly, um, yeah, you, I mean, like I said, I, I, I think I'll be changing things up a little bit, um, this next fall with mm-hmm. the tour and including possibly including fewer writers, but at, at more locations, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, so rather than sure. having, you know, lots of different writer, you know, changing it up, trying to have it more like having kind of a core of three or four people that are going to travel oh, okay. to, to more of the locations. Um, but we'll see, we'll see how that goes. I mean, yeah. it's, it's tough because there's so many great people out there that I really want to include. And, um, and honestly, like, it's just hard to find the space. I mean, I had, I had some great writers even last fall that, you know, Dylan Tomina, for example, who, uh, wasn't on the tour this past fall only because I, when I was, when I was planning things, he, he didn't think he was going to have the time. So I hadn't included him in my schedule. And then once the tour started going, it turned out he had, a free evening on on for one of the readings and and he's like hey man i can still do it if you want and i was like man i wish i could but it's just like mm. you know at yeah. some point i at some point it just ends up being too much so yeah. um so yeah but definitely you know hoping to get some tours going in other places so you know okay. do like a, a rocky mountain tour between like you know maybe Boise, Missoula, Bozeman, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe a stop in Wyoming. Um, and then, you know, maybe something like Denver and Fort Collins, Colorado, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Um, a Midwest tour, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin, whatnot. Sure. Um, definitely kind of an East Coast or a Northeast tour. Um, and a Southeast tour. And, and it's, you know, I've, I've talked to people in all of those places. The, the community, the communities exist in those places. The writers exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've talked to people who have offered their, you know, help and sort of knowledge of the places. And, you know, so really it's just a matter of like sitting down, doing the planning, finding, you know, finding the, the financial support for it. Yeah. I mean, how, how you know, do you the, find that financial support? Is that something where you just pull it out of your own pocket or do you plan on doing some things to help oh, kind of promote man. And, and pay for no. things? No. Um no, I it, it's it's uh I mean really the tour itself, so the Cascadia tour has happened the past two years in the fall, so 2016, 17. That wouldn't that wouldn't have happened without um Patagonia. Oh right. Um, okay. So um I kind of got to know um, some folks there and who were just really supportive of it and really wanted to see it happen uh-huh. and just said, you know, 
what do you need? Huh. That's cool. Uh, let's make it happen. And so I've been super lucky yep. um, to have the support from Patagonia. This last year also Sage, um, you know, Sage helped out as well. Um, and the fly fish journal has helped out okay. as well for, um, for both of the tours. So That's the awesome. fly fish journal has kind of been there from the beginning. They've always, you know, they've always sent raffle prizes and, you know, free, free magazines and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. So, I mean, the, the fly fish journal, they've, they've been a, a huge, That's cool. you know, huge, huge supporters from the get go. But yeah, it, it definitely wouldn't, it wouldn't be possible without patagonia yeah it's and it's how, certainly not go ahead yeah no i was just gonna say how does patagonia fit with you know thinking of your you know your plan or your mission or vision or whatever um you know of what you're doing how, how do you think you know why do you think they supported it so much i mean it's, it sounds like you knew some people there but i mean obviously Patagonia's a big company on conservation and doing some amazing things what, what, what was the connection yeah. there they just see that they're getting the word out and and this you know, kind of the, the, the writing. I think, I, I mean, I think for Patagonia, you know, it's just, they want to support. I think that they really want to support people that are just doing new, weird, cool, interesting things. Um, I mean, obviously they've, they've got their books division. They've got Patagonia books, which has published, you know, a bunch of really great stuff. Um, but even outside of that, you know, I think just, you know, if, if you look at the stuff, whether it's a film or whether it's this reading series, um, or whatever it is, you know, if you look at the things that Patagonia puts their name on, um, the dirtbag diary, the dirtbag diaries podcast is another good example. Hmm. You know, it's all about, it's all about good stories and people who really care about something, you know, and care, care deeply, care passionately about a certain thing, whether that's surfing or conservation or fly fishing or, you know, whatever it is. Like, I think that's all it is, is they just, they, um, you know, they, they want to support people that are kind of chasing those, you know, those sort of deeper, I don't know, deeper places of connection or deeper moments of connection with, you know, sort of the natural world and, and, Mm. and what have you. So I, you know, I think it's, I think it, it, it's pretty straightforward as far as that goes. Like they just, they just want to support that stuff. So I hear you. Okay, cool. And, uh, yeah, I was just thinking, um, you know, we talked a little bit about this uh, at the beginning, but as far as, you know, uh, an episode of the podcast, is there one? I mean, I, I look at stats, you know, for my podcast just to keep up with things. And I know I have one that, that stands out um, on mine. I, you know, interviewed Deck Hogan and it was a little bit of a controversial podcast because it was about, you know, kind of his last book, the publication and stuff there. But, you know, that one has obviously oh, yeah. had way more hits than, you know, anything else I did and, you know whether that's good or bad, it, 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 you know, I kind of see that. Do you, do you have one as well that kind of sticks out and do you know why, you know, it's had so much, uh, activity? Um, yeah. Uh, I, so the interview that I did with, um, with river horse, Nathaniel river horse, Nakadate, um, that 
it's it's not necess- it it didn't necessarily get a whole lot more um activity you know they're they're all about the same as far as like the number of downloads that they get and whatnot yeah um but the the number of comments oh, and yeah. emails and everything that I got about that episode uh-huh. um was way more than any other and i I think it's just because River Horse is just he he really wears his heart on his sleeve mm-hmm. he he's not afraid to say it like it is he's not afraid to just put himself out there and and he's also had you know he's he's really kind of chased um he's really kind of chased it his whole life you know mm-hmm. i mean in that episode we talk about you know his surfing when he was younger and playing in bands and um you know playing guitar and and fly fishing and all these things and and uh you know he so he's he's lived you know a pretty funny interesting kind of crazy life and he's a great storyteller and um and just but like i said just such a heartfelt guy and what you know what's funny is that 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 episode got the one negative comment that I've oh, seen really? <laughs> on and but what's really funny is the comment is just something like I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I can let me pull it up. It's really funny. Oh cool. Cool. I was gonna say, you know, that's the thing about the uh, the negative ones. You know, you gotta have uh you know your uh, your haters. That's that shows you you're you're doing some good stuff out there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, it says, I listen, so this is an iTunes, uh, iTunes comment. It says, I listen to every episode and always enjoy, except the one with River Horse. (laughs) I listened to the entire show trying to decide if he is for real. It was like listening to Cheech and Chong. (laughs) If you don't, if you don't know what that is, YouTube it, it might've been more tolerable if I'd been stoned. Uh. So... Which is like, not, yeah, it it's hilarious to me because first of all, like River Horse is totally for real, and you know he definitely has his own, you know he has his own way of of telling stories and and whatnot, and he is, I mean that's that's what I love about about River Horse is like he he marches to his own beat you know he he does things his way and he's a he's a really um you know he he's a really caring um and just uh, just a unique dude who mm-hmm. who appro- who approaches the world um from a from a certain perspective and and that's how he does things and uh so you know i mean i guess you know maybe if that didn't quite come through on this episode it was you know that that is what it is but this is all just to say that 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 episode and that conversation you know obviously had a big effect on a lot of people and i was getting emails and instagram messages and you know blah 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 and so it was just kind of funny to 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 see this one comment and um that, that you is, know that I, don't, I don't know it, it just cracked it just cracked me up to I, see this one comment I, on there <laughs> i've got one on my itunes it happened early on and it was a one star and it it kind of killed me that day i was like oh man it was early on i just had started the podcast i was like wow 
one star, man. Jeez, people hate this thing. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and it was so funny because I think it was later that day. I think the guy somehow sent me a message or something like that, or I can't remember what it was, but basically he said, Oh man, sorry. I accidentally uh, wrote one star. I meant to write five. And, uh, <laughs> so he just screwed up, but I guess iTunes doesn't let you take them back or he couldn't figure it out. So uh, yeah, oh. that, that was a kind of a funny one for me, but no, I think, I think it is good to have, you know, to have your, your haters, like I said, because, you know, I mean, you, you don't want, you can, the polarization is kind of a good thing, right? You don't want to be kind of in the middle. You, you want to have a voice and you want people to really yeah. love you and people to really hate you and, and all the in between. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, for uh, sure. good. For sure. Well, I think we, uh, we're about there, man. Uh, wanted to just check with you and make sure you let people know where they can find you if they want to get in touch with you or have questions about anything. Um, just as far as like email and whatnot. Yeah. Or just, uh, I mean, do you, or, do you have one of your websites or do you have a place that, you know, if they want to just yeah. Yeah, or email or whatever, well, social the, or... the website is, the website is probably the, the best spot for everything. It's got the, podcast and the readings and it's got some film stuff that I've done with uh, some filmmakers so the the website is um, syzygyflyfishing.com and that's spelled S-Y-Z-Y-G-Y flyfishing.com and yeah people can totally email me there if they have questions or comments or whatever I, I, I love hearing from folks that are that are digging this stuff and and uh, and I've actually, you know, I've met a lot of new writers through, um, you know, through that, through people just mm-hmm. getting in touch with me as well. So that's always that's always really cool. But um, but uh, yeah, you know, other than that, um, I don't I don't use Facebook quite as much anymore. Mm-hmm. It seems to be less and less uh, yep. useful for things. But I, the the writers on the fly Instagram, um, okay. I. I I try to throw something up there whenever I have some new, you know, news to share. And sure. every once in a while, if I catch a fish, I'll, I'll put a <laughs> picture of a, put a picture of a fish on there. But, uh, nice. so yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Good. Well, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll provide links to all those, uh, resources in your website you mentioned as well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Jason, I appreciate you coming on here and chatting here. I definitely, um, I, I have a better perspective, of, uh, on what it takes to, you know, be a writer and do the things you're doing. You know, like I mentioned in the show, it's definitely not easy for everyone. So I um, appreciate you taking the time to do that. And, and the podcast and everything is awesome. Looking forward to this fall. Hopefully, if it works out, I can get up and maybe, uh, you know, visit one of the show or the, you know, the writers on the fly. Um, yeah. That'd be great, man. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We should be, uh, we should be coming through Portland again in the fall. So, oh, perfect. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. All definitely. right. All right. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for everything. And we'll uh, hope to uh, keep in touch with you down the line. Yeah, man. Thanks so much. This was great. I appreciate it. Okay. See ya. Bye. Bye. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes with all the links we covered, just go to wetflyswing.com slash 33. It would be super exceptional if you could leave a quick iTunes review. No problem if you can't, but it will help other people find the show and get the word out there and i would love to hear what you think if there's other things i could be doing or or a guess and things like that it would be great to hear uh, your feedback you can always just send me an email at dave at wetflyswing.com slash uh, well i guess dot com slash contact would be the easiest one And uh, thanks again for stopping by to check out the show today. I'm looking forward to catching up with you soon and hope to connect with you online or on the river. Later. 
Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com. And if you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes.